Okay, welcome to Quitters Never Give Up. We're the podcast for the obsessive Kevin and Bean fan that can't let go. Today, we have a very <laughs> special guest. She was the heart and soul of the Kevin and Bean show for years. But what I think about when I think of Lisa is not just how nice she is, but how she's a damn Hall of Fame caliber broadcaster. Aww. Because you're so nice, you never got credit for that part. Now, after Kevin and Bean, she went to work with Frosty, Heidi, and Frank. After retiring from radio, she opened her own studio, and she's part of the Strength Code podcast. Welcome to Quitters Never Give Up, Lisa May. Thank you, Eddie. That was really nice. I really appreciate that. I could do anything for Lisa. LL Cool May. Yeah. Oh, the LL cool stands man. for Lick Lisa. I'd do anything for Lisa. I've told them all, all the little gangsters, who you think helped mold them all. Now you want to run around and talk about guns like I ain't got none. What you think I told I'd them do all? Anything for Lisa. Wake up, it's Smoke Sausage O'Clock. Explore the amazing world of Ray in this immersion new mega attraction, Manta. Ride the Ray, feel the rush. Well said. I'd do anything for Lisa. <laughs> when am I going to be on your show? Lisa May here. It's been awfully nice. Uh, I will be out of here at 3 o'clock. And, of course, Bob Taylor comes in, so watch now. We'll be taking you through right this card, Lisa May. <laughs> I'd do anything. I'm Lisa May with K-Rock. Hey, this is Lisa May. I'll be there pounding some brews. <laughs> Did you guys do that? Yeah, we put that together. <laughs> Wow, I love that so much. Christopher gets the credit for that one. That was amazing. That was amazing. Well done, Christopher. Thank you. (laughs) You're very talented. Oh, thank you so much. That was so much fun listening to all the old clips. Just awesome. You know, I have a whole bunch um, that uh, I was given after I left because there was like a little farewell thing that we did. And um, I got a whole bunch of the clips and I still have them. And I, I actually haven't listened to them in a, a long time, but hearing that makes me want to go back through and mm-hmm. hear all of the, the drops and stuff. It's just, uh, it's just crazy to think about all that stuff. It was really fun though. Now you were on radio before Kevin and Bean. So how did you get into radio and how did you end up on Kevin and Bean? You know, this wouldn't work today, but when I first started, there was a secret back door into radio in LA, which was, <laughs> don't roll your eyes at it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the bell? Where's well, the bell? I, one, I know. Wait, I have one. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I think Kevin's wife gave me this. Look at this. It's crystal. Pink crystal. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, I'll never be without my bell. Um, so I, uh, I got into radio a little late. I actually went to broadcasting school around, I think 20, I was 26 or 27. And I'd been in um, finance and stuff before that and really hated it. And, um, but did a lot of speech club. I don't, I don't know if you had speech club in high school. I did a lot of that in high school and college. And I thought, um, there's no way to make money at this, but I love it. And I was pretty good at it. And finally, I just thought, you know, I don't have uh, adult sized bills yet. So I can, and I'm not like attached to anybody. So I could like pursue this crazy idea of getting into radio. And it wasn't really about music. It was about communication like just connecting with people and stuff so there was a place called Los Angeles Broadcasters in Hollywood 
And it was a really good broadcasting school. They had like four little radio stations, country news, um, like easy listening. And I guess there was some sort of rock and roll station and they had pronunciation classes and classes learning to do news and to write news. So I went to that um, like at night and on weekends. And while I was there, I met somebody who worked at Metro Traffic. And I don't know if you guys remember Metro Traffic, but they did traffic all over the country. And um, they had an off-air position available, which I got, and then sort of worked my way into being a producer for the other traffic reporters, and then eventually was able to go on air. Um, at first, just this country station in Orange County, Kick FM, and I was still producing traffic, and then I had a little radio in the corner. I would put on headphones and turn in the corner with the radio and a microphone and do a traffic report and then go back to producing. <laughs> and I did that like twice an hour, um, and when I listened to that, uh, my voice was very high. I don't know if it was nerves or if my voice is just like dropped over the years, but it was like, hello. And, and now on the 405, we've got a problem in Springdale. It's like very <laughs> weird. I was on helium. So um, that was kind of how I got into radio. And I started doing traffic for other stations. And then a couple of stations actually hired me to do weekends. Um, as a jock and what I discovered was I didn't want to be a jock I didn't like working in a station all by myself in a studio by myself it just wasn't fun for me and um so I was doing a split shift at the time mornings and afternoons and that's really hard I did that for about four or five years and you know you just have time to get home and basically eat something and go to bed and then you're back up the next day and in the midday I would just go home and sleep that's really all I had time to do so you're always sort of in the middle of a panic about when am I going to buy food? When am I going to do my laundry? <laughs> it's not easy. Um, and Kevin and Bean were about a year into um, their contract on K-Rock. They had just started a year before. And they were using their producer as a traffic reporter. And that just wasn't working out. And in fact, I think by the time I started working with them, she wasn't there anymore. But um, they were looking for somebody, and my boss thought we would be a good fit. And everybody used these traffic services. At the time, I think Metro was kind of the only game in town, and then some other ones came in. But um, so we met for lunch, and they were like, okay, let's give it a try. And so I started doing their traffic twice an hour. We actually installed a red light in uh, their studio and I would push a button to let them know I was ready to go because they like to talk a long time. And I had a whole bunch of stations I had to do at the time. And so I um, had to have a way to let them know that they could go to me. Otherwise they would go early and it, everything would get messed up. So, um, but as stations dropped off because they changed formats or whatever happened, um, we wouldn't replace them because they wanted me to be on the air longer. And eventually, I was really just doing them um, and being on the top and bottom of the hour as well as the 45 and 15. And then after I was done with them in the morning, I did the highway stations in Barstow. I did their traffic for a couple hours and then I went home. And that's how that's how the whole thing with Kevin and Bean started. So, and end of podcast now. <laughs> well, you, you worked for Metro Traffic, not for K-Rock, right? Right. I never, I never really worked for K-Rock. The only um, way that I worked for them was doing uh, those commercials. I remember I did a mm -hmm. load of AT&T commercials for several years. Yeah. They paid me yeah. for that, but otherwise I was being paid by Metro traffic. 
I never was a, a official K-Rock employee, even when I went over there. And I kind of liked it that way. Honestly, just the, the business part of this was that Metro Traffic was union and K-Rock wasn't. And those benefits are great. And when I got fired, I had a year severance, which I never would have uh, had if I'd worked for K-Rock. So I was actually never that upset that I didn't uh, end up being a K-Rock employee. So when you say, did you ever do traffic for other states besides California? Oh, other states? Um, no. Metro traffic did start doing that, but I didn't. They actually did a thing where um, people in California were doing traffic for um, Oregon, and I don't know where all they did it. It was a crazy idea, but they were starting to close some of their offices, so they were using people in other states to do I don't know how you do that. It was hard yeah. for traffic in Barstow, like basically taking you from uh, LA to Las Vegas. And that was, that was difficult to do. It's not, you know, an area I'm that familiar with. And yeah, right. I started doing that. That seemed like a terrible idea. So have you ever seen the Californian sketch on uh, sketch skit on oh, SNL? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever been to another state and gotten completely made fun of for how you talk about the freeway? Oh. <laughs> Yes. The 405. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I have been nailed for that ever since yeah. I left California. <laughs> it's so true, though. You can talk to anybody in California about traffic. Well, I won't say anywhere in California, but um, now that I'm in, I live in Palm Springs and my studio's in Palm Desert, and there's a whole bunch of people from LA here. And I know it by the area code of their phone numbers. So it's like, hello, where did you used to live? Like we all do this thing. And we immediately start talking about like how bad the traffic was there. How often do we still go to LA? What is it like here, which is nothing. Um, and what a relief it is not to have to live your life around the traffic. It's absolutely mm -hmm. the number one thing you have to deal with all the time. The Honestly, reason I moved to Michigan was because I saw a interstate with no traffic on it at two in the morning and was completely flabbergasted. I'm like, <laughs> this is what I want from now on. And going back to what you're saying about the area codes, I met a guy who was a business vendor and he's like, yeah, my area code is 909. I'm like, oh, hello, my friend. So yes, like it, it still works that way too. It's like we understand each other. Yeah, yeah. There's a definite language that we talk for sure. Well, yeah, and the what whoever we talk to about their Kevin and Bean memories, they're always always tied to a drive, and they always remember moments like I was driving down the 101 or I was driving down the 405. And I've I've always wondered if like every morning radio station in the country was like that at that time. Or if that's really an LA slash California thing. I think it is because, well, it just depends on what the traffic is like, but there's so many places where you're not stuck in a car for 45 minutes getting to work. So you don't, you know, you don't have that same experience. I remember after we moved here, one day we went to a movie and dinner and we were driving home and there was nobody. We, so um, if you've been in this area before, you know, like uh, highway 111 is kind of our freeway, I guess other than the 10, which is kind of on the other side. But so we were on the 111 driving home. There was hardly anybody on it. And I turned to Gary and I was like, have we ever gone to dinner and a movie? Like you, there's no time to do that in LA. We have never done this before. And we're going to be home by like 8.30. I don't even, this is amazing. <laughs> Not to dump on LA. Yeah. I want to go back to shop because shopping here is crap. Like there's just a lot of stuff you can't get. 
You know, um, I always noticed with Los Angeles, if you live in Studio City or Culver City, you have everything. Anything you've yeah. ever heard of is in one of those two places or both. And I lived in the Studio City area and worked in Culver City, so it was very spoiled. But man, there's so much that hasn't caught up here. It's a shock when you get to an area where you can't find everything available 24-7. And as someone who grew up in Los Angeles for like 25 years of my life and moving to rural Michigan, it's like, what do you mean the streetlights turn off at 10 p.m.? Like, that's a thing. It's like, yeah, it's like, good luck finding anything, but let alone like light. The streetlights turn off? They they turn to yields. They all turn to flashing yields. Uh, at they no longer are red green. There's just uh, one side is stop red, flashing red. The other side is yield. Yes, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's how slow it is. So, yeah, when um, when you put together your traffic reports, like how much of that is you having to interpret something versus just reading off a piece of paper? You know, traffic changed a lot from when I started. When I started in um, the old ages, we only listened to police scanners. That's how we got our traffic. So um, there would be like four or five of us in this room and um, we had the scanner on and we're all always listening and you'd hear like, 405 at Nordoff and someone would say it's northbound and they go no I heard southbound and like we don't know and it was a very very I mean traffic is always an inexact science um I think of the day that I was driving to work I was going down the Golden State Freeway and in my rearview mirror I saw a car hit the center divider and flip over and all the way I think it was the 170 so all the way to work I'm like oh my god this is big this is big I saw it I can't wait to tell him and I get in there and it's cleared like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the car ended up oh, on the so disappointed. And the guy was like, I'm good. And he drove away. And it's like, what? And that's the thing with traffic. Like you, it changes so fast. So the good thing is that Caltrans started putting um, uh, like responders, I don't know, transponders, I guess, under the on-ramps to gauge the speed. And, and they determine how fast the traffic is going by how quickly people can get from the on-ramp onto the freeway and then move forward. And that helped so much because then we had maps with, you know, green, red, and yellow mm-hmm. lights. So you could tell how fast things were going. And, um, and we also were able to tap into the police, uh, CHP's CAD system. So originally we had producers who typed in what they heard on the <laughs> scanner and then we had um airborns in the morning and the afternoon drive times and we had some dude driving around on the freeway in a car <laughs> that's what we had and then we had the knx tipsters who would call in um and tell us what they saw but again so inexact but they'd be like i'm backed up on the blah 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 is there something going on or like not that we know of but we'll look for it so uh, it did change a lot over the years. And so I, I would have like the incident, um, the cross street, how many CHP units were there? Was it injury, non-injury, major injury? And then I would have a map to refer to to see what the backup was like. So, you know, I'm kind of freestyling, but I've got good information, I think. But, you know, there's always the person who's like, you know, you said that thing on the Ventura Freeway to, at Tampa and I went through it and there was nothing there. It's like, <laughs> I did my best. I'm sorry. Or, why don't you mention the 134 more? I'm always on their second traffic. And it's like, well, if it's always slow, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to help you. 
You're I like guess the, the, weather the alert would be it's moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like the weather person, right? They always blame you for the bad news, like you're yeah. excited about traffic. <laughs> I do. I do get excited about traffic. I really, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was like doing it for so many years, but you know, when we're in LA and I go like every five or six weeks and I see things starting to back up on the other side, I start figuring out like, is that a mile? Is that a half mile? What's going on? How many units are there? Like I get really worked up about it. Could be your other podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Traffic, Lisa Mays traffic. <laughs> I remember when the fire in the Sepulveda Pass happened. This is when I was at KLOS. It had to be three years ago, maybe now, four years ago. I can't remember exactly, but we all drove through the pass on the way to work as it was starting. No units were there yet. There were just flames going up the side of the hill, um, right around Getty, I think it was, maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit before that. And we were all like, oh my God. And like taking video and posting it when we got through. I didn't do that because that's very unsafe. But <laughs> other people did. And uh, it was, and then that fire lasted like they closed down the 405 and it went on for a couple of days, maybe three days before they mm-hmm. got it all out. It was crazy. And you just thought, well, they're going to get there and put it out. But it was, it was mm-hmm. a really big deal. Yeah, it was bad. Speaking well, about KLOS, tell us how you got the job at KLOS and what that was like. They had a new program director, Keith Cunningham, and when he heard that I was let go, he got in touch with me maybe three weeks after and said, would you be interested in coming over for the morning show? I'm working on something. So just stay in touch with me. Let me know what's going on. Let's see. Let's see what we can do. Um, In the meantime, I was talking to, um, I talked to somebody at KFI about doing a show there but you know, I'm not I'm not a political person particularly, and I no, I didn't really know if I would want to or would be good at doing a talk show. And again, it would be by myself in a studio, which I didn't think I really wanted. And then KNX was really nice, but they were talking to me about reporting and probably starting part time and maybe going to like city council meetings or something. I was like, oh. I don't know, <laughs> that what I want to do. And then now you're in the traffic. I have to tell you the funniest thing. When I got let go, it was three or four months of me at home. And um, when I would go somewhere at a regular time, like regular people, I was appalled at how bad the traffic was. Like the backup to get onto the Hollywood freeway. The first time I tried to get on, I was like, what is all this? Because I, you know, I went to work at like, I don't know, when did I get on the freeway? 5 a.m.? nothing out there i mean there's traffic but it wasn't like that it was like this is what people do every day even though i reported on it i was still (laughs) flabbergasted at how bad it was just trying to get on a freeway so i knew i needed to like do a morning show there was just no other way to live he he eventually um pitched me to frosty heidi and frank i guess he'd gotten the the okay from cumulus that's who owned them at the time and we all met in a bar and I kind of, I knew Heidi from some parties. Um, uh, someone that she had been involved with before was a traffic reporter at Metro that I was pretty good friends with. Um, I'd met Frank and Frosty at some screening that we all went to. So we kind of knew each other. And it was a nice meeting. And we were like, yeah, let's give it a try. So I started there, I think it was in April. Uh, so about 
about four months after April or May, about four months after I got fired. And it was very different, partly because, you know, um, joining a new team, it took a year before I really felt like I was part of the crew. It's a long, slow process. And if, you know, events were different because it was Frosty, Heidi and Frank and Lisa. And it just felt like people were like, oh yeah, you're okay. Where's Frosty, Heidi and Frank? And I was like, oh, so that was a little bit of an ego adjustment for sure. Um, and then just trying to, I couldn't be part of the show because I was in another studio separate from them writing news, which I hadn't done before, and then also putting together traffic. So I was half listening to what they were doing. And then inevitably, Frank would talk to me and I'd be like, I, what? I don't know. What did you just say? It wasn't great radio at that point. And he would get kind of annoyed with me, but it's like, I just don't have the capacity to do what I'm doing and also listen to you and like respond right away. So it took a long time to kind of figure all that out. Um, so I would say the first year was kind of hard. And then, and then we kind of got into a groove. And then when Frosty came, because when I started, it was just Heidi and Frank. And maybe a year and a half later, they brought Frosty in, um, who used to be with them. And I think it made it a better show, honestly. I thought there was a, a nicer balance with the three of them. And it kind of worked out for me too, because they were able to bounce off each other more and maybe leave me out a little bit. But that that felt more comfortable to me when he was there too. It was just, I don't know, it changed the it changed the dynamics a little bit. I really liked Frosty. I was really sad that they let him go. I thought I thought he was a great balance for them. They need three. Was Frosty and Frank, they have a show with some other woman before, like in the 90s? Yeah, uh, Jamie. Jamie, Frosty, okay. and Frank. Um, okay, yeah. They were on Star. And you know, Frank and Frosty knew each other from college. Frosty was in grad school and Frank was going to college and they got to be friends there. I don't know if they did radio there or not in Colorado. I don't know. But yeah, when I first heard him, it was Jamie, um, okay. Frosty and Frank and Heidi was doing their traffic. And um, and then they let Frosty and Frank go. And then it was Jamie and Danny Bonaducci. Right. Yep. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> well, he, I love this old radio talk. <laughs> I know. He's so hard to listen to. He mm -hmm. still does radio, I think, like in Philadelphia or something. But then that's when Heidi sort of came aboard. And I think they, you know, I don't know the whole, I think they went to KLOS, they were at KBC, they did the garage thing. I don't know if you want to hear all of this, but anyway. Uh, I do, but I don't know if anyone else does. I don't know if anyone else does, yeah. That's your other podcast, Old Radio Talk. I'd have to do that with Bean. He knows everything. Oh so going back into Kevin and Bean, and you mentioned events with KLOS. What were the events like for K-Rock and Kevin and Bean. They were amazing. I love the shows we did. Like obviously the Weenie Roast and Acoustic Christmas. And when I first started, Acoustic Christmas was really acoustic. You know, all of the bands changed their music very specifically to be on that show. And I thought it was amazing. And that kind of changed over the years. You just couldn't ask them to do it anymore. Partly because other radio stations started doing these big, big shows with lots of bands and they were, you know, doing kind of a circuit. And they just weren't willing to do it. But in the beginning, it was very cool. So I love that you could go backstage and meet, you know, meet the bands and um, just hang out and meet listeners. But then I also loved Miss Devil December, which was a very fun show and insane. St. Patrick's Day shows were 
just drunken follies, which was very fun. I mean, I think all of the shows, that's the first time I kissed a girl was at one of those. And it was Tammy Heidi. Katy Perry wrote a song about it. We were at O'Brien's, I think. I can't remember. O'Grady's, maybe? No, O'Brien's was the spot where the Miss Double Decembers did have. Well, they also did them at Fullerton at the slide bar. Yeah, at the slide bar mostly. But I think you're right there. I think at first it was was there. And, um, you know, that was Ross's dream come true. Oh, he was so good as a host. Oh, he was great. Yeah. And that was really fun. And I mean, people were just um, super excited to see everybody because, and we used to have calendar signings. And remember, we did the cassettes every year. They were cassettes. Yes. And then, I don't know, did we have CDs? CDs. CDs, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the Christmas um, CDs, which yeah. I stood out in front of warehouse music to get for several warehouse, hours, oh not God. attending school. Yeah. <laughs> Those were, they just had events that I don't know any other. I don't know anybody else who did all those and they were so much fun and you know everybody wanted you to sign everything and they were just super excited to be there and they would tell you stories that's kind of when you got that you know you want to entertain people but you also want to feel like you're making a little bit of a difference and you would get these great stories from people about like my dad died and the first time I laughed after that was listening to Ralph do the bees or you know whatever it was and I really think that's what let us know that we were doing a good thing. That reminds me of something. We want, we ask everybody from the old show about this. Let me just play something, see if this jogs your memory. Stop playing that! Uh, that's when Omar got thrown out of <laughs> St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I have yeah. memories of that because we love that show. Miss Cleo had way more details about that than I will because, you know, she did behind the scenes stuff. And I really tried not to drink too much. I could not drink like everybody else. I think the first time I remember realizing that was um, a Cinco de Mayo at Sagebrush Cantina. You know, I think drinking at 6 a.m., drinking a margarita at 6 a.m. is like being on a plane where it like expands the alcohol in your body or something. And I remember having to stay there until about one in the afternoon because I was too drunk to leave. And there were other drunk listeners who were all there being drunk from like 10, 10 until one. I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. So I, um, I actually would make a deal with lightning to have the bartenders give me fake shots like water. I would do maybe one or two shots and that was it. And then the rest was water. I just couldn't do it. Oh, I yeah. love that. Because you, know, you got to drive home afterward. And you know, the yeah. scene was always the poli- local police. They were always right there when everybody was leaving these events to pull over anybody who was drunk. So that's so- why that's why I always heard that Lisa could drink everybody under the table. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all I remember is Omar was so annoying and insane with his horn. I wasn't there when all of that happened because I know he went behind the bar and started serving himself and they kicked him out and then he went back. And I don't, honestly, I can't tell you many details. I know it was a, a crazy show. And then I left because chaos is not me. Tell us about the aftermath because we love how the suits just lost their minds. Yeah. And the thing, we've talked about this. That's like one of our favorite shows. We remember that as if we were there at the party, but the suits didn't get that, did they? No, no. And yeah, that was the end of our St. Patrick's Day shows, period. Yeah, you know, I I don't exactly know why they canceled them. Like nobody got hurt as far as I know, right? No, I don't think anybody got hurt. I I, think Mermug woke up in a bush, bush, but he didn't get hurt. Yeah. 
<laughs> they probably were never going to invite us back there again. So maybe they just didn't have a place for us to go. I honestly don't know, but they were, yeah, they were not happy with it. And that was the end of that. I, I can't tell you what the behind the scenes were. I really don't know. I just, I heard it the same. I was not on the inside, you guys. Yeah. Oh, it helped again being at Metro traffic. So you didn't have to take all the heat. No, I mean, I physically, by then I was physically at K-Rock. I spent the last 10 years in their studios. And before that I was at Metro Traffic, but I still wasn't their employee. So yeah, I wasn't in on the stuff. It was Kevin and Bean that, you know, knew what was going on in Ralph to some extent. So when you joined uh, Kevin and Bean, was there any time that you had to take to get used to their, how they were and their antics? Yeah. You know, the hardest thing was when I physically went to the studio. When I first was working with them, I was just on with them twice an hour doing traffic uh -huh. breaks and some banter back and forth. And they had said to me early on, you know, we're going to tease you a lot, but it's all good hearted. And it was, you can tell the difference when someone's being, you know, a dick or if they're just genuinely trying to be funny and they're not, you know, trying to hurt anybody's feelings. So yeah. it was never really a problem. But when I physically went to the studio, it was all guys. Um, Alex, I think, was a assistant producer, maybe even a phone op at that time. So it was Lightning, um, Kevin Bean, Ralph, Omar. Like, it was all guys and me, basically. And the way guys are to each other is, um, you know, girls are sort of, we come at you sideways. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're not like... We see the weaknesses and maybe we talk to somebody else about it, but guys are like right in your face. Like, and it, and I didn't want to be there. The first week I called Metro and said, can I come back? I don't want to be here. This is really terrible. They just oh, like, wow. it was really harsh the way, the way guys are, it's, it's locker room. They didn't pull any punches because I was there. It was exactly the way it always was. And it was like really hard at first. And then I kind of got used to it. And the truth is they, you know, they never mean to hurt anybody's feelings and everybody learns to roll with it. And so, you know, it took, it took a month or two really to get comfortable with that. But yeah, at first it was, it was a little harsh and, you know, I never did get over like being calling me grandma. Or stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what well, was yeah. that? Being, being, you know, being Asperger's, he'll say things that such good radio and really does not understand how truly offensive it is. And yeah. we'll go right for, yeah, was I like, you know, as the only woman, like very aware of like, we're all aging, but I'm the female of the group. And so I'm a little more judged about that. And then we have like these hot young actresses in and you're like, uh. and, and I think that's what was going on the day that he said, oh, scoot over grandma and let her sit down or something. It was like, it really... Wow. So hard, you know? Yeah, Bean was always very cutting. When he made a joke, it was just right there. Do you remember the um the kid? And this was, I think, a signing of or it maybe the it was calendar, the calendar, I think. Was it the calendar? You know which one, right? The the I know what you're gonna the, say. Go ahead. <laughs> the kid with I don't think his son was yeah, her son wasn't there. She was having a sign something for her son who listened to the show, and he had had like three heart surgeries or something. And Bean said why don't you just let the kid die? Something oh, like that. I'm not quoting it fuck. exactly right. That is the quote. Was that it? And we Damn. all just, like, everybody <laughs> just stopped. And then, of course, it was great radio for the next three weeks. <laughs> the next 30 years, I think you mean. Probably. We, we They're so good at, like, taking those moments and then Omar, who's magic, would turn them into 
these drops or like musical things. Like every time Kevin screwed up, you know, we just waited for Omar to make it into magic and then listen to it over and over and over. Like that was such a key part of that show was what Omar could do. Cause those uh, moments were just, and being with the drops, yeah. who was the memory to know like the hundred drops that you have at your disposal and be able to use them like he did. Yeah, that that's a skill. He's tried to teach me too, and it's like the, it, I I know his method of labeling things and to be able to pull them up that quick. That's an insane skill. Yeah. Like I, it's he is a master of it. Yeah, he really is. Like he doesn't even think about it, right? His fingers just go to where it's like typing or something. Yeah, I didn't know how hard that was till we try to do this, and I thought this is great. I'm gonna be being. I got all these clips. Try to find one. I cannot do it. I have not done it once. <laughs> I, know, I know it's really hard and i i know where they're all at on my board too it's like go to it nope no can't find it so it's it's yeah and like i said he's told me like this is how i do it i'm like that i how <laughs> okay speaking of clips we're gonna play at least a game i'm okay. gonna play clips of you in the past don't be scared we had kevin on and you know his memory and he got them all right i think so Shut gonna... up. You should not oh. have told me that. Okay, go ahead. I not believe it. Okay, let's start off with this clip. The station that's growing faster than ever, and that, of course, is thanks to you and your friends. <laughs> Lisa May here. It's been awfully nice. Uh, I will be out of here at 3 o'clock, and, of course, Bob Taylor comes in, so watch out. Oh. He'll be taking you through right till 7, so have a great afternoon. Okay, that was one of your side stations. You Magic remember the FM. name of that station. Magic All right. He did, not, he did not know that was. Oh, you're playing my clips. Yeah, okay. Because I was going to say, Kevin didn't know that was No, no, no. <laughs> this is at least a sentence. Of course, yes. Okay, Magic <laughs> FM. But did you love how I did my voice there? And of course, I well, don't know what I was doing. They must have asked you to be upbeat. And we're, I said at the time, because this happened in 2010, and that's what I do is I listen to 2010. And I'm like, Ooh. if they want upbeat, Lisa's the one. Lisa, I, it's amazing that you remembered that. That station had music on reel-to-reels, four giant reel-to-reels. And one would fire and then the next one. And you didn't really have any way to program it other than they had put whatever music they wanted on those reels. And so um, oftentimes you would get two different songs by the same band in a row because that's just what happened with the reel. It was so, it was very uh, antiquated. That's that. low tech, reel to reel. Yeah. Very low tech. Yeah. <laughs> That's but great. going back to that, you used to do like Judy Starbuck and Lisa Lert, and you used to change your voice and kind of how you would sound for each station. Huh? A little bit, but you know what it is? It's like, you know how when you talk to your parents, you don't sound like how you talk to your friends. It was kind of like um, like KMPC. That was Love with, with Jim Lang, and I was Aaron Wyatt. And, you know, Jim had this delivery, and it's obviously for older adults. And you would just kind of match whatever their cadence was. And for Judy Starbuck, I don't really think I changed my voice so much as people just assumed I was Black. <laughs> it's, it's an urban station. And that was a little bit before um, we had the internet and people could like look you up. And so I would yeah. get letters asking for photos. It's like, nope, not doing that. <laughs> Never well, went I to totally an appearance. Remember I remember in the old days, you'd listen to radio. You had no idea what they looked at. There was yeah. no way to find out. Yeah. So when the internet came up, that's the first thing I did was look people up. Oh, Bean looks nothing like I thought. Nobody looks like <laughs> what you think. Okay, let's go to the next clip. 
Explore the amazing world of Ray in this immersion new mega attraction, Manta. Ride the Ray, feel the rush. Well said. Okay, so the question is, where was that attraction? It was a roller coaster. Feel the Ray, ride the rush. Um, God, I don't think it was Magic Mountain. It was called the Manta Ray. That could give you a clue. It should, right? The Manta Ray. So in the ocean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, keep going. (laughs) We're almost there. SeaWorld, SeaWorld. Right. Woo! That's what happens when you cold read copy. Go ahead. I know. But it turned into a great moment that they played forever. Yes. Okay, this, we're talking about live shows. This is one of my favorites, but everyone else seems to hate it. But the ending, okay, I'm just going to play it, see if you All remember. Right. All you have to do is mention anything or anybody that happened or who was there. I just had my moment with. Okay, anyway. We just said, don't swear. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. We're going <laughs> to cut that segment short, Sam. So, Sam, the Armenian comedian, I want to think, I think it was a Miss Double D. I could be wrong. It was, uh, obviously I'm wrong because you didn't just say I was right. <laughs> sorry. That's a slide bar. This was Cinco Jen's de Drinko. Got Jen's got it. Jen, you Jen can, gets the point. You can Cinco de Drinko. Eddie gives yeah, the answer it was, yet again. It was in March 2008. So that's oh why. <laughs> so, because I've been going through, like, I'm in, I'm in July 2008 right now. So I've been kind of, and I just find fun stuff and things and throw them out there. And so that's why. But, but. Jen? <laughs> not Mar- it's not May 2008. It's March 2008. Cinco I think March? Been- it's not March. It's May. We can okay. get right. Right. Okay, Remember, <laughs> they said, don't swear, Sam. He said the N-word right after that. Everybody lost their minds because he's such a dumbass. <laughs> I never liked Sam. <laughs> I never no, really. put him on the air. I didn't think he was funny. I thought he was gross. <laughs> I never shared Kevin and Bean's love of Sam, ever. Good. Right. I think Good. it was just Kevin's love. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Kevin I was going to ask you about that. You're known as the nicest person in the world, but you poured a drink on Sam's head once, right? I believe that's true. And I'm sure he deserved it. No doubt. Oh, we, we're pretty sure of that. <laughs> I think that was a Halloween party. And anyway, he was always stunned oh. by the reaction he got for being a terrible person. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Wow, I never would have remembered that on my own. Well done, Eddie. Thank you. <laughs> Next clip. It's the ex-wife. Talk about not being able to let go. What TV oh show was that? I still watch that all the time. Reba McIntyre show. It was my big line. That's right. I just looked that up. You were so good in it. Did you ever want to do more on-camera stuff? You know, I don't know. I don't think I was a good actor, honestly. Mm, no. <laughs> really. There was just, I never thought I was pretty enough. I never, you know, I had all those insecurities. That's probably why I was on radio. It doesn't matter what you look like. And then, of course, the internet, so everything changed. But, Yeah. No, I really didn't. Okay, I just watched that clip. You were funnier than Reba and the other girl who were like starting the clip off. So, okay, anyway. <laughs> the thing about radio is theater of the mind, right? I did TV. I actually used to do traffic reporting on NBC um, in the middle of the day. Paul Johnson going way oh, back. Yeah. 
Paul Johnson did their traffic in the mornings. And then um, one time the Sepulveda Pass area flooded and they didn't have anybody to go on TV and talk about it. And I was there. So I went on and did it. And then I started doing it regularly. And I really liked that. But you also understand like how confining TV is. You know, you've got to hit, you've got this long and then you've got to stop and they got to go to commercials and it's all so tightly regulated. And the thing about radio that's so fun is it's just, you don't, you really don't know what's going to happen. And it's like live theater. You got to be there to hear it or you miss it. And I just thought that was the beauty of radio. Yeah, we always liked that because something would happen out of nowhere and Kevin and Bean were wedded to their schedule. They would just follow it. So you never yeah. know what the heck would happen every day. That was the best part. Okay, next clip. Well, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but it's raining in the OC. I don't think, I gotta tell you, the traffic is a nightmare. The 405 is jammed. The 5, the 710, they're all gridlocked. Stay safe, stay dry, and let's all pray for sunshine. <laughs> so that was Kevin and I doing... Um, a radio clip for the OC that they played uh, during the episode. It was very fun. That's right. This one is going to, uh, I guarantee you won't get it, but I'm going to play it because it has okay. an Omar song. It has a little bit of everything, but let, let's just go. Shut up when I'm talking to you! Shut up when I'm talking to you! Shut up! Shout out to the great Kevin Stockdale. Oh he my God. This. <laughs> this is my favorite Lisa clip. It's mine too. Okay, now here's the question. Yeah. What was that for? God, I don't know. That's right. That's the theme song. Oh, a rookie. Kevin and Bean okay, well, okay. a rookie. I Hold still on. don't know. Kevin and Bean a rookie. <laughs> if you want tickets to a show and if you really want to go see a band, you're a fan, put your hands up. Because now it's time to play Kevin and Bean a rookie. Kevin and Bean a rookie. It's everybody. We had to each sing the song, and then people had to guess what it was. Exactly. Oh, wow. you guys got way into it. There are some really good clips out there. <laughs> well, I'm gonna play it in context, but what it was, there was a hurricane in the Philippines. This was in uh, 2014. It was Hurricane. Uh, let me see here, Typhoon Haiyan, and they did a benefit concert. So you guys were all doing Kevin and being a rookie. Let's uh, let's play it in as it happened live. Alex, you ready? Yep, good morning, party people. Who Lisa do you May, want of up? the three? Um, let's get Lisa May a try. Oh, good luck. Oh, boy. Well, I got to spin the Not wheel. I, mean, I hope that... All right, it's Lisa May. Good. Excellent. <laughs> good news. All right. You got Lisa May? Identify this song. Shut up when I'm talking to you! Shut up when I'm talking to you! Shut up! One step closer. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I don't know why, but wow. I feel like we've never heard the real Lisa May until today. Wow. That was the best ever. That's what it's like. It was the best ever. God. <laughs> I can't even talk anymore. I can feel my voice just like my throat closing. <laughs> okay. I have a theory now that I got you here. I identified a lot with you because I'm a nice guy. I don't like confrontation. But every once in a while, you got to let it out. Is that what was happening there? <laughs> Probably, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's one of the all-time great moments with Lisa. <laughs> <laughs>
I completely forgot about that. So <laughs> I carry a lot of stuff. Eddie will make it a ringtone for you. Oh, Absolutely. Totally. Fantastic. <laughs> so that's our Lisa May game. Thank you for oh. joining. You did very well. Do you remember when I was able to come to the studio and meet you? No. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. Bean invited me to watch the show. So I came with my sister. I told my wife I'm going to, to the studio and I get to meet Lisa May. And my wife is a QVC junkie. Mm -hmm. So she goes, ask Lisa, does she like silver or gold jewelry? So she gave me one of each. So, of course, I get there after the show. You guys all come out and I'm like, Lisa, and I just gave you everything. I gave you silver, gold, the flowers. <laughs> that is so sweet. It was such a fun day. Oh, my God. Yeah, being was good about that. QVC. Talk about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite Lisa moments. Mm -hmm. When you got the oh, yeah, Kevin and Bean back for that. The, the, the TV. <laughs> the TV. So let me tell you, and this is not, uh, Ralph didn't start this, but people have in their head that Ralph had this idea and it wasn't his idea. My friend, Laura, who was an actress and also she did PR and that's how we connected to begin with. She invited me to a Cirque du Soleil show and we became friends. This was really her idea because we had done the QVC thing for several years and she thought um, that we really needed to turn the tables and um, so then we, then we got Ralph involved and we got, I, I'm can't sure, I can't remember. I think lightning was still the producer then. Um, and they got involved with it, but Laura called QVC 50 times to hear how they talked. Um, and yeah, she, you know, method actress. And so when they did it, I mean, she, she kind of had a Georgia accent and she did such an amazing job they never had a clue that uh, that it was Laura, not QVC. And the thing that killed me was when they uh, found out that I it was a TV, it was like a monitor. It wasn't exactly a TV. It was like a giant monitor or something. And it was going to be, I don't even remember, what was it? It was going to be like $1,000 or something. It was a $4, lot $4,000. $4,000. Yes. Okay. Now, Kevin and Bean were not underpaid. No, no. Not that they didn't deserve every dime they got, but they made He's very wealthy. Just ask him. <laughs> and Kevin could not bail faster. Kevin was like, no. And Bean goes, I mean, this is yeah. what we promise. Whatever's on the screen. And Bean was going to do it. And Kevin's like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I was like, all right, now we know. We, do, we know how what happens when the chips fall. And um, <laughs> But that was the best moment ever. And then and then I think Laura, she was still on the phone and she just starts chanting, ass hat, ass hat. Yeah. They're like, what? It was so well done, I had no idea. Yeah. Usually, if, if yeah. you're to Kevin and Bean, you can sniff out the phony stuff, the Rick D's type stuff. And oh, man, you guys got me perfectly too. It yeah, was. That was a great moment. It great was moment. the best moment to get them was just like, so satisfying and laura was key she was so good yeah you're right she had a, a southern accent she never yeah. broke character she was really good the whole time and she sounded you know when they asked her a question she didn't have the answer she sounded a little confused and was like let me look up okay so it's a monitor <laughs> you know? yeah. like none of us could quite figure out what it was it's very funny well thank you for joining us lisa we know you got stuff to do you got people to train so tell us about your uh, your podcast the strength code and your gym oh so um i'm doing the podcast with sheila melody who has been kind of my mentor so when 
I was still, I think I was still at K-Rock and I started doing this workout. At the time it was called Inform Fitness. Now it's called the Strength Code and it's in Burbank. And um, it was like a mile from my house and it's a half hour, once a week, high intensity, slow motion strength training. So it's super safe, but it's very intense and um, it's really effective. And I, you know, I would go every Sunday at 11. That was my time. And I was so consistent with it, which I never had been with anything, especially strength training. You know, I'd get on my treadmill and I'd do a little hiking here and there and <clears throat> that kind of stuff. But you know, at a certain point in our lives, we really need to be lifting weights. And um, I could do that. And I loved it. And so um, we bought a house in Palm Springs about six or seven years ago now. And the plan was at some point we would move here. So I was just poking around to find where I would be training. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of things that aren't here. And it turned out there wasn't a studio that did this kind of training out here. You can find a bunch of them in LA. There's not one out here. So I was like, should I do this? This is crazy. And uh, so I talked to Sheila about it and she was like, absolutely, you can do this. And so while I was still at KLOS, I, you know, trained, uh, did the exam to be a personal trainer, which was so much harder than I thought it would be. I realized like studying wasn't something I had done in years. And every time I opened the book and tried to study, I would fall asleep. It took a long time to get my brain like creaking and moving again. It was really interesting. So I did that. And then um, there's a high intensity training certification you have to get. And then I started working with the trainers there and I got friends to come in and let me train them. <laughs> and, um, and I love that part of it. And so when we moved here, um, which would have been December of 2019, I um, signed a lease in March and a week later, everything shut down because of COVID. <laughs> and I had equipment I had bought that was in Florida and Colorado and I couldn't get it until July of that year. So it just basically sat empty. I was finally able to get contractors in there to, you know, I needed carpet and tile and the whole bathroom had to be redone. And I had like a pony wall built to create a lobby, that kind of thing. And thank goodness I have some good friends out here, one who works with a contractor and is very good at design. So that was very helpful. And I finally got everything in there and, and basically opened about a year ago. So um, it's been slow, obviously, to get people in their word of mouth, just to know that I exist. And about six weeks ago, I started networking. I joined the chamber in Palm Desert, and I met some other people who introduced me to other networking mm -hmm. groups. You know, the business part is the hard part. The training mm -hmm. I love, I find it fascinating. People have different issues that we have to figure out how to work around a bad knee or a shoulder or whatever. I love all of that. And um, I love making people feel stronger. I have a woman who comes down from Idlewild, which is about an hour away. And um, she, she was, other than some friends, she was the very first person to join. She'd been waiting. She used to do this workout in Sherman Oaks and she was just waiting for me to open. She has to shovel snow in the winter in Idlewild. And <laughs> she'd been coming in, you know about <laughs> so um so yeah she came in one day and she was like you know I was shoveling the snow and I thought this isn't as hard as it used to be like actually this isn't bad at all and I've had other people come in and like suddenly I'm running up and down the stairs at work and you know people just you feel better and you start doing more and um when you hit like I don't know 
your 50s, it's really important to start paying attention to that. But people in their 70s, can you can start at any time. I had a woman in her 80s with Parkinson's that came in and just wants to stay mobile. So some things we would just do negatives on. And um, but, you know, she just wanted to keep everything moving. And I love doing that. But the networking is, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning. So how can people find the podcast? Um, it's the Strength Code podcast. It's on iTunes. That's probably the easiest way. And we also have a Facebook page that anybody can join. You just have to ask us. And it's the Strength Code podcast. And we've done, I think we've done 10 episodes so far. So we um, generally drop one every two weeks. And uh, I got us a little behind this time around because of my networking craziness. I mean, we, you know, we cover a lot of stuff and some of it requires some research. Like we're, this isn't going to be all that interesting to you necessarily, but uh, how much protein should you be eating? I just doubled the amount of protein that I'm eating. And I got to tell you, it's a challenge, but I feel better. I feel like I'm getting better results. Those are the kinds of things that we talk about. We also talk about what we're watching on TV and, you know, products we tried that we despise or things that we love we try to make it fun and insert a little education too yeah i've been listening to the podcast it's really good oh. uh, uh, i have to say that i comparing it to catherwood's po podcast it's a big difference because for me when i was listening to catherwood's podcast it was like it felt like he's talking to try and get you shredded and it seems more relatable because you guys are talking about just about general health and staying mobile and doing stuff to you know, it felt more relatable in that way. Oh, thank you, Christopher. You know, I do listen to his podcast. His podcast yeah. is good. Like I learned about the knees over toes guy listening yeah. to him, which I'd never heard of, but I have people with bad knees and I had knee surgery about nine months ago. And so I'm learning how to rehab myself and also how to help other people do that. So he has a lot of good stuff, but you're right. It's about how much time do you want to spend in the gym and what, what is it you're looking for? And I personally don't want to go four days a week. And uh, yeah, who has a kind of time? Right. Yeah. You know, it depends on your goals. But um, yeah, we're more about we want you to stay healthy and age gracefully and be on both feet, you know, into your 80s. And that's my plan. I want to do this until, you know, I'm too old and I drop over dead. I think I can do it until then, honestly. Oh, we forgot to ask you about the social club. When you joined the social club, it was like a big deal to us. We're like, oh, my God, Lisa's here. Isn't it amazing how positive, for the most part, well, almost like 99%, the people have been responding to you? What was that like when you joined the social club? I mean, I mean, I was a little amazed that people were still so passionate. Well, we started a podcast. Yeah, look at us. I yeah. know. I know. I mean, it's crazy. And I go on and I see people are like talking about what they were just listening to. And they, you know, they have all the sayings. Like, we do this around the house, too. You know, just like nobody would... I'm trying to think of an example. One of our favorites is, well, come along here pretty, wait, yeah. come along here pretty soon now. You're going to have to, it's a Kevin um, here yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? The guy oh, who was the Duggars, like, right? Yeah, the Duggars. A bunch come of kids. here a couple years yeah. pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> we say that. Come here a couple years. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and by the way, that quote did not age well. <laughs> Knowing yeah. the Duggars. Duggars, yeah. Right. So, I, I need to get a couple of lightning round questions in. Okay. You heard Kevin's writing a book, right? Have you thought of writing a book? 
I have not, but I talked to Kevin about his book. He called me maybe three months ago to pick my brain about some things like what did I remember and also my point of view from the firing versus his, which was interesting. Kevin's memory is bad and mine is worse. And he, you know, he was so much more involved in making decisions and planning the show. I wish I'd kept notes. You would have such an amazing story. I know. The things you lived through, the the people that came through K-Rock in those days. I want my Lisa May documentary. Forget the K-Rock documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I would have this feeling of breakfast whiffs were amazing. Um, And probably my favorites aren't necessarily what other people would love, but um, Tori Amos did it two or three times. And I just was transfixed by her. And all of those breath and and I would just sit there and go my god I'm like 10 feet away from these people and there's all of 30 people in this room who gets to do this I mean I never lost an appreciation for the amazing uh things that we got to do it was Mm -hmm. just uh that show was such a blessing I was so it was right place right time that's all it was and what an amazing experience beginning to end Oh, speaking of the documentary, did they interview you for the K-Rock documentary? No. Oh, my God. What's wrong with them? <laughs> what is wrong with them? Okay, right. well, we're making our own documentary, and we're going to interview you first. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> okay, I think we've taken enough of this lovely lady's time. Oh, so Twitter's never give up with a super special episode with the lovely Lisa May. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank well, you. Yes. You guys are awesome. And this was super fun. And thanks for keeping it all alive. I appreciate oh. it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank thanks you. So thanks. thanks. So I've you. never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies. And I'm not proud of my dress in a torn up town. No postcard envy.